Colossae had a slightly different challenge to that of the churches in Galatia. Whereas in Galatia, as we heard this morning in our reading, uh, the assault was on the, uh, the, the free gospel of God's free grace. In Colossae, it was more of what is called a syncretism. So uh, they were putting things with and alongside Jesus Christ, as if to say Christ is great, but he's not quite enough. And you need some kind of supplement, if not a replacement. And so uh, the, the basic assault is the same. It is, as John Owen said, regarding the, the typical work of Satan, always directed against the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, in writing to the Colossian Christians, is again emphasizing the sole supremacy of Jesus Christ as Saviour. And so from chapter 2 and verse 11, speaking of the Lord Jesus, he says this. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to his cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ... From the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, 
wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us even this evening to realise again the privileges and the beauties that belong to all who are alive in Christ Jesus. He has risen from the grave and all who belong to him have that life which is in him. Show us what it means. Teach us what it is. Lead us in all its fruitfulness for Christ's sake. Amen. There are two appearings of Jesus Christ. The first was to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. The second is apart from sin for salvation. That's what the writer to the Hebrews tells us at the end of Hebrews chapter 9. Once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's what we've been looking at from Luke chapters 23 and 24. But verse 28 of Hebrews 9, to those who eagerly wait for this Christ, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. You and I live in the space between the two appearings of Jesus Christ. He has come and he has made that once for all sacrifice. He will come and he will be revealed in his glory. But the glory that belongs to him now as the risen and reigning Jesus is hidden from our eyes and is hidden from the world. Now you know if you are a Christian, you know that your Christ is glorious. You know that he shines forth like the sun in his meridian splendour. You know that he is altogether lovely. You know his beauty, his glory, his majesty, at least in measure. Sometimes when you're listening to God's word being read or preached, sometimes when you're singing, sometimes when you're uh, reading the scriptures or praying for yourself, there's that uh, sense of the, the excellent majesty of God. The, Peter saying he was an eyewitness of his majesty, and though you do not see him, yet you are persuaded of his glory, and you feel something of its weight, but you cannot now see it. He is hidden from you, but your faith holds to the glorified Jesus. And in this space between the two appearings, Paul uses, and we've heard it quite a lot over the last month or two, the language of death and life to describe this relationship to Jesus Christ. We've heard it from Galatians chapter 2. We've heard it from Romans and chapter 6. We've heard it from 1 Corinthians uh, when we looked at those portions. Here you've got it again. Verse 20 of chapter 2, speaking now to God's people. 
If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations according to the commandments and doctrines of men? And then again in chapter 3 and verse 3, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you are a believer, if you have been joined to Jesus Christ by faith, then you have died to the world and its principles. And you are dead to death. You are dead to sin. You no longer attach yourself to this life. You no longer seek your pleasure, your happiness and your fulfillment in the things of this world, which are some of the things that the apostle then catalogues at the beginning of chapter 3. No, you have died with Christ. Yes, you died. Christian, in the best and most beautiful possible sense of the word, you're a dead man. You're a dead woman. And you are at once alive. Again, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, you have both died with him and you have been raised with him. United to him, there has been a final and full breach with the world and all that belongs to it, and you are now alive, having been raised with Christ, seeking those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. And again, verse 3, bringing the two together. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So yes, you've died with regard to the world, but you have risen in connection with Jesus Christ and now your, your whole disposition, uh, your attitude, your outlook has been transformed and your gaze is fixed on the heavenly because the Christ who is your life is there. You then have this life in you and it is hidden with Christ in God. Now, do you see the parallel? The glory of Jesus Christ who lives is now hidden. And the life that you have because of the risen Christ is also hidden. People don't look at us, at least outwardly, and say, my word, there's some heavenly splendor about you folks. Now, there may be, if they get close enough, and if they listen long enough... And if they watch carefully enough, there will be something of the savour of Jesus Christ about his people. There will be some heavenly reality. They will see something of that life, but not yet its glory. Again, the new age has dawned. We live in Christ, but the old is still passing away. And living between the appearings... We are waiting for the revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ. And we're waiting for that glory to be revealed also in us. That's our state and condition. Now having died and having risen and looking for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that then is why Paul offers this wonderful hope in verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. This is really the, the application of some of what we looked at this morning. Couldn't cover 
tenth of a scrap of a shade of a shadow of what we were looking at with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But this is what it means, some of what it means, that when this Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What does the apostle mean when he says such things? Well, first of all, he's telling us, reminding us, pointing towards the person for whom we look. And look at the beautiful name that he uses. Christ, our life. You and I need to know the names and titles of our God. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. The triune God considered in his glorious Godhead and the persons. Christ, our life. Remember that Christ is life himself. The beginning of John's gospel, we're told that in him was light and the light was the life of men. And he is life to us. He is life for us. He is life in us. We saw that just last Lord's Day, verse 20 of Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What did our Lord say in John's Gospel in chapter 14? I am the way, I am the truth I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in the same chapter, and verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. Christ is the life of his people. He is our life. That means, brothers and sisters, that our spiritual life, that real existence, that life of the age which is to come, that heavenly reality which already grips and characterizes our souls is out of union by faith with this risen and reigning Jesus. It is again why it is of vital importance for us to realise, not just to tick a box, but to understand that the Christ in whom you have trusted has risen from the dead. He is our life. That life is now our life. And the life that is in us by the Spirit has Christ Jesus as its author. It is he who has given this life to us. That resurrection life that is in him has been gifted to us. He's the object of our life. He is the one about whom our whole life is. We are characterized and conditioned and ought increasingly to be by Jesus Christ. So that we should be able to say, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain because I go to be with him, but to live is Christ. Christ Jesus is the strength of our life. Again, when we are enfeebled, when we are battered, when we are broken down, when we are distressed, when we are grieved, when we are confused, where do we find our strength? Now, there are various means by which God is pleased to communicate Christ to us. But it is the Christ who is presented to us in the Bible, who lifts us up, who gives us wings like eagles so that we walk and do not grow weary, so that we run and do not become faint. 
can't remember now the name of the giant that Hercules battled in one of his great fights. But it turned out, I think it was Antaeus, maybe. Any classicists want to help me out? No, not the giant with three heads. As we, we, so anyway, this giant's mother was Earth. And every time Hercules threw the giant to the ground, he received new strength. So every time Hercules thought he was winning, the giant was rejuvenated, got back up stronger than he was before, and Hercules realized the only way to, to win was to hold the giant above his head and crush him there. Well, whenever a Christian is thrown down upon Christ... He derives additional strength. When we are weakest, that is when we are strongest, because it is in our weakness that Christ displays his strength. Christ Jesus is the comfort of our life. When you weep, when you are distressed, when you are downcast, who is the one who holds you up? Where do you find your solace? What should you do to comfort one another? The world finds its comforts in all these nonsenses and these emptinesses and these vanities, doesn't it? In the pleasures, the passing pleasures of this world. Here they are in, uh, in Colossians and chapter 2, held out for us. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness. That's the sort of thing that the men and women of this world seek for their refuges. Where do you turn for your comforts in distress? You may turn to a husband or a wife. You may turn to a parent. Ultimately, that will not help you. Maybe you sink yourself into your work. Maybe you look at your bank account. Maybe you cuddle your fluffy animals. Maybe you sit with your pet. Is that real comfort? Does that sustain you? My friends, what is the solace of a Christian soul? It is Christ. When my life feels so pulled apart and gloomy, Christ is my comfort. He's the pattern of life. What does it look like to be a Christian? What does it look like to live for God? It looks like Jesus Christ. We are being conformed to his image. We are becoming more and more like him. And what is the end of the life of faith? Where are we going? What are we going towards? It's not a what. First and foremost, it is a who. We are heading for Jesus Christ. The person for whom the Christian then looks now in this time between the appearings is Jesus Christ, who is our life. Now, can you speak of him in that way? Can you say, though you may confess, I've barely begun to scratch the surface of what that title means, that this Jesus is my life and that I share that life with others in whom his life is found? Does your life reveal his life in you? Is the savour of Christ in you? Are these evidences, the putting to death of that which is contrary to Christ, the stirring up of that which is like Christ, the walking in the ways of God, does your life reveal these things? Has there been a change in you 
If not outwardly, then at least inwardly, in your attitudes, let alone in your actions. Has there been a change in your life so radical that the only explanation is that I have died and I live again? That's what we heard in our testimonies over the last few weeks and again this morning. That I have passed from death to life. I am no longer who I was. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. And if you are still dead in your sins and have not died to sin in Christ Jesus, then where will you find this life? You trying to whip it up for yourself? Are you doing what Paul has told you not to do in Galatians and Colossians? Do you think that life consists in keeping a list of human regulations? Do you imagine that you can obtain life by working long enough and hard enough to somehow earn the favour and the blessing of Almighty and All-Holy God? My friends, if Christ is our life, then we need to come to Christ for life. And you will not find life outside of Jesus Christ. Do you remember how the Lord spoke through his servant Ezekiel? Why will you die? Why will you die when God holds out life? And I would ask you the same this evening. Why do some of you sit there in death rather than coming to Jesus Christ and having him as your life? Once you become a Christian, you speak of Christ your life, our life, and we are looking for him. And the moment for which we long is this. Not just the person for whom we look, but the moment for whom which we long when this Christ, our life, appears. Now, remember we said that that glory that belongs to Christ is now hidden. The appearing spoken of here is really the contrast to that. And it would probably better to translate it as revelation or manifestation. Now, Christ himself in his present glory is hidden from the world. He is seated at the right hand of God. We too have died and our life is hidden with Christ in God. But Christ will not remain hidden. That glory that belongs to him, he in his glory is going to be revealed or manifested. He is going to come and every eye will see him. Of those on earth, those in heaven, those under the earth, every tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. He said so in Matthew chapter 8 or in Luke chapter 9, then again in uh, sorry, Mark chapter 8, then in Matthew chapter 25, that glorious declaration, when the Son of Man comes, what like? In his glory. To sit where? On the throne of his glory. Who'll be with him? All his glorious angels. What's the keynote? It's glory, it's glory, it's glory. It's not that he gets it then. It is his now because he is the risen Messiah. But the glory now hidden is going to be revealed when Jesus Christ appears that second time. And there will be no doubt then of his mediatorial majesty. No one will doubt that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah of God. God and the Lord of glory. 
No one will disdain him. No one will despise him. No one will be able to stand before him. But they will tremble at the presence of the Most High God in the person of the glorious Son. The glory of the God-man is going to be manifested, not just to us, but to the whole world. That heavenly life that is now his will be hidden no longer, but will be universally revealed. And observe the certainty. Paul doesn't say maybe Christ our life will appear. He doesn't say if Christ our life appears. He says, friends, when Christ our life appears, our Jesus is coming back. The Christ in whom you have trusted is going to return. He has loved you. He has given himself for you. He has not abandoned you. In fact, his prayers now interceding for you at God's right hand are the very things that sustain you in anticipation of his return. It's a when. It's not an if. Christ, our life, my friends, is going to be revealed. We will see him. And bound up in that is the hope for which we wait. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him. Remember, the glory of Christ is now hidden from the eyes of the world. And the glory of his life in us is hidden. Where is your life? It is hidden with Christ in God. But when his glory is revealed, then we will also be manifested with him. There will be no separation between Christ and his people in that day. I love the language of John chapter 17 and verse 24 probably heard me say it over and over and over again it crops up i know a lot i desire that my people whom you have given me i desire that they may be with me where i am christ is eager not just for the revelation of his glory but for the revelation of his glory in us it'll be a fruit of his love for him to see, not the travail of his soul now in, in the, the salvation of souls one by one, but the revelation of the fullness of his saving work in the day when we come together into the presence of God. You think of how it's put in, in various places in the scriptures. You find it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. Just these little hints when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and admired among all those who believe. We suffer with him that we may be glorified together with him. If he has glory, then we must have glory too. His glory is now hidden and our life is hidden with him but when he is revealed then we shall be revealed as sons of God together with him the apostle John says the same thing doesn't he in 1st John chapter 3 and verse 2 it has not yet been revealed what we shall be 
but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. If his glory is revealed, then so must what is in us be revealed together with him. Christ has bound himself to us in grace and in love in such a way that not only will the life that is in his people never be extinguished, but it must come to fruition in the day when his glorious majesty is revealed at his second appearing. And your physical dying, your physical living are no barrier to those things. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, remember how the apostle says, I'm ready to put this tent off. I don't want to be unclothed though. I'm not looking for some kind of weird nakedness. I want to be further clothed. I'm looking for something more. That even should this tent, this, this fading, feeble flesh be put to one side temporarily, that will not be the end. For I must bear the image of the heavenly man. What if you're alive when he returns? The twinkling of an eye. The sounding of that trumpet. You will be changed. And you will be like him. Christ's glory will be revealed in Christ. Christ's glory will be revealed in us. You are going to be revealed in that day as a monument of Jesus Christ's grace toward you. You will be vindicated as a son of God, as a child of the Most High. Everybody will know that you are one of his. You will be a trophy of his triumph. You will be part of that great in-gathering. And you will be heirs of his glory. For you will go into that which belongs to him. And that's where Paul emphasises at the end of this verse. When Christ who is our life appears... That's who we're looking for. That's what we're longing for. That's the hope for which we wait, that we will also appear with him in glory. And that is the blessing to which we go. It's the blessing to which we go. I wrestled with that as a heading. I still think it's wrong. I can't quite get it right. But it's not a place, and it's not just an experience it's a glorious reality. We are going to appear with him in glory. Your hope as a Christian is going to be realised in the moment when the Lord Jesus appears. Remember what Paul said in chapter 1 and verse 27. Speaking of his stewardship of the gospel. The revelation of this mystery. That is that God has made something known that otherwise we would never have known. And it's been my privilege to declare it to you. That's now been revealed to God's set apart people. To them God willed to make known what? What are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles? God wanted us to know, God willed that it should be declared, the riches of the glory of this demonstrated and revealed truth among the Gentiles. And it is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the certain expectation of glory. Yes, 
Christ our life is going to appear and when Christ our life appears then the glory that belongs to him must be found in his people. Christ's desire is going to be accomplished. I want my people to be with me where I am and more than that I want them to know everything that I have purchased for them in all its fullness, in all its excellence, in all its beauty, in all its superlativeness. Yes, it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. Christ is not finished until we are with him where he is. Christ has not accomplished all that he intends for us until the glory that he has is revealed in all of his people together with him. What does it mean then to appear with him in glory? Who can explain such things as these? It's life in its highest form and in its fullest degree in the very presence of the altogether glorious God. It means, my friends, that you and I, when Christ returns, we are going to be made like him, both body and soul. You will be free from sin. Is that not glory? You will be perfect in holiness. Is that not glory? You will be perfect in happiness. Is that not glory? You will be perfect in capacity for the honour and worship of God. Is that not glory? Perfection of fellowship, sweet communion, unbroken with God and with his people. Perfect in worship, undistracted, undiluted praise to the God of your salvation, shining like stars in the firmament. What pathetic language we're left with. I could work through a hundred dictionaries. I could ransack every language on the globe. And if you could understand it after I'd ransacked it, we'd still be saying, you are not one inch closer to showing us something of the majesty that is waiting for Christ and for Christ's people when he is revealed and we also are manifested with him. Sons of God we are called and it will be known in the day when Christ returns. Our identity, our dignity, our privilege, our hope, our faith, our love. Christian, this is transformative. This should change everything. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus is not simply wonderful in itself. It's practical. It's affective and effective. It grips our hearts. It changes our lives. If this Christ, risen in glory, is our life, then this is the life that is in us. And therefore, doesn't it make perfect sense that we should put off all that belongs to this dying world when Christ who is our life appears then you also will appear with him in glory verse 5 therefore put to death your members which are on the earth when temptations to sin 
to grub around in the muck of this life, press in upon our soul. What is the answer that will keep you standing? Christ, our life, is appearing. And his life in me will be revealed then. So I will not buy into this world's systems. I will not buy into this world's values. I will not seek its pleasures and its treasures. I will not hold to its joys and to its toys. I will not seek my comforts in its passing follies and emptinesses and vanities. I will build upon the rock. I will look to my God and my Redeemer. And I will not have anything to do with that which has nothing to do with him. But I will put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. See, that life is in us. You can smell it sometimes. You can glimpse it on occasion. It's likeness to Jesus Christ. But to the eyes of flesh, not just ordinary, but despicable. The off-scourings of the world, the very things that to the eyes of faith indicate to us that we're pilgrims together on the road to the heavenly Jerusalem, the very things that the world turns its nose up at and says, What kind of weird and pathetic and freakish people are you? And our answer is, we're God's people. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also will appear with him in glory. Do you have this life? Are you trying to live without this life? It's barely in existence. If you have Christ, you have life. If you do not have Christ, then you have no life and you are dead while you live. Not dead in Christ to the world and its principles and to sin and the pleasures of this passing age, but dead in trespasses, dead in your sins, not dead to your sins. And these things, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language and lies, that's your native air. That's the stuff you breathe and that's the way you live. The Christian has been transformed. I'm dead to that. I cannot Not even that I I, I don't want to, but there's no appetite for those things in me. I'm revolted by them. My friends, isn't that your grief as a Christian? Why do these things still attract me? Why do they still press in upon me? Why do I sink down? Oh, says Paul, remember the life that is in you and put these things to death. And follow hard after Jesus Christ. And live for him who is your life. If you don't have this life, then you come to Christ. There is life in him. In him was light. And that light was the life of men. If you are dead this evening, you may have life before you leave this building by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, by by grasping him, by trusting him to deliver you. 
from sin and from death and from hell, to trust him to take away these appetites for the world, to trust him to give you a place in the glory which is to come, to cast yourself upon him so that whatever happens to you or around you or against you, you can be confident that you will have life now. And that life will never be quenched, but will only come to its full and final revelation when Christ, our life, appears. Life is coming. Glory is coming. It is all there in Christ Jesus. At his second appearing, glory will be revealed in him. And the life that is now hidden in Christ will be manifested to the world out of the soul and body of every one of his purchased people. Do not live dying. And do not go to death and misery and damnation. Come to Christ and say with all God's people, our life, our Christ comes soon. He will be revealed. And when Christ our life is manifested, then we also will be revealed with him in glory. Amen.